The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court, and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. With those words, the opening sentence of the Constitution's Article Three, the document's framers announced the birth of an institution then unknown to the world, a national court with the authority to decide cases arising under the country's constitution and laws. Precisely what that authority would mean in practice, what the Supreme Court's role would be with respect to the two elected branches of the new government, was far from clear when the Constitution was drafted in 1787. That role remains disputed even today, when Supreme Court nominees are routinely asked by members of the Senate Judiciary Committee to disavow all interest in using the court's authority in a manner that might be described as judicial activism. This book is not intended primarily as a work of history. Its aim is to enable readers to understand how the Supreme Court of the United States operates today. But while detailed knowledge of the court's history is not required for that purpose, acquaintance with the court's origins helps appreciate the extent to which the Supreme Court that we know today has been the author of its own history. From the beginning, it has filled the blanks of Article Three by defining its own power. In the process, the court has defied Alexander Hamilton's prediction in Federalist Number Seventy-Eight, one of the eighty-five essays in the Federalist Papers, written to rally public support for the Constitution's ratification, that lacking influence over either the sword or the purse, and possessing neither force nor will but merely judgment. The judiciary would prove to be the least dangerous branch. That process of self-definition continues today. The Articles of Confederation that the new United States ratified in 1781 provided neither a national judicial system nor an executive branch. There was a single national court, the Court of Appeals in cases of capture, with jurisdiction limited to disputes over captured ships. The Congress also had the power to establish special courts to resolve boundary disputes between states. Such a court had only sat once. Every state had its own system of courts, as the states do today. Citizens of the new nation had feared that a federal court system with general jurisdiction would threaten the sovereignty of the loosely confederated states. But to the delegates who assembled in Philadelphia in 1787 to revise the national charter, the absence of a national judicial system was one of the decentralized government's more obvious failings.